Today's edition of the Derek Hunter Podcast is brought to you by Life Change Tea. Why go to GetTheTea.com? Because this important news could change your life. Socrates made a statement saying that all disease starts in the gut. Take care of your gut, and well, the rest speaks for itself. Life Change Tea is a wonderful way to aid in your digestion. Brew it, steep it, drink it, and feel it go to work. We at Life Change Tea have been around for years helping people just like you feel better. Lots of testimonials and lots of happy people. Log on to GetTheTea.com. That's GetTheTea.com. GetTheTea.com. All righty. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 18th of April, 2022. It's tax day. Yeah, sucks. It's also Monday, so it double sucks. What are you going to do? I appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend, spreading the word, sharing on social media, rating and reviewing on iTunes, all that good stuff. I appreciate the hell out of it because without you guys listening, I would just be a guy yelling at cats again. You know, still, I guess, would probably be a better way to put it. Uh, yeah, so I do. I check out the reviews and everything. It's kind of fun to read one if it's up there still. Sometimes people delete them. I don't understand it, but if you're going to take the time to, like, write, there we go. Angry, this is a, the latest one-star review. It was on, posted on April 5th. I did not realize that I was an angry white man, but I guess sometimes I get angry, and I am a white man as far as this person knows, although they're assuming quite a bit, aren't they? They're assuming my skin color the way my skin color identifies, and my gender. It's an angry white man. Wow, I try to do a little listening on both sides of the aisle, but this was borderline attacking. This is an angry, and angry is all in caps. This is an angry white man. Not sure what he does for a living, but it gives dirty beard, dirty boxers, but it gives dirty beard, dirty boxers yelling at the TV vibes. No, right, first of all, a commando, baby. When I don't go commando, I go boxer briefs. So I suppose you're half right. But uh, I don't yell at the TV. The TV yells at me. That's the problem. I just love these, like, I'm trying to think what I was so pissed off about on April 5th that I would have elicited that response. And then you realize that these people just go through and they live for this stuff. They live for, they see you on Twitter and they go, oh, I want to find, I'm going to go and complain about them and wherever I can. And they go and they do stuff like this. So those of you who write the nice reviews, and we've gotten more nice reviews since then, I am a deeply appreciative of it. But I do get a kick out of the bad reviews. I read them all. <laughs> but I'm, I'm not, I feel like I'm not a D-bag who would read the good reviews uh, on the show just because, I don't know, that seems self-aggrandizing. I get a kick out of the nasty ones. Anyway, uh, we have the winner to announce. The winner has already heard from me, or at least maybe not have noticed, but it has an email in their Patreon account from me. It was, um, I can't even say that there's any suspense about it. Uh, I'm going to pull the Tom Brokaw, but nobody wants Tom Bro Nobody likes Tom Brokaw. I, I know he's a, an annoying lib, but then so is Debbie Harry, and people wanted Debbie Harry. You know, I figured you'd want it just because you grew up listening to Tom Brokaw. But uh, no, no autographs from Tom Brokaw. I'll try it again at another time. Everybody wanted Adam Carolla. There can be, just like Highlanders, only one. And the winner will be announced at the end of the program, as will the two new books that will be put up there. So as I'm pulling Tom Brokaw, because I just keep putting up Tom Brokaw, then nobody will take him. So we'll try Tommy later on. 
Uh, you can learn to uh, play the, You can play this game at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast. That's where you sign up to support the show. Uh, five bucks a month. You get to enter all the contests. You get to see uh, all sorts of other things like pictures of the kids at various times. And you get the Week in Evan review every I guess it's more people on Friday night than Saturday morning, but at 12.01 Eastern time on Saturday, which is 9.01 p.m. Pacific time, and do the math on everything else around the world. I can't figure it out for you, but it's five bucks a month. It really helps out the show. It's really the only money I make from the show. Uh, the other, the sponsorship goes elsewhere. So appreciate the support. Speaking of the sponsorship, it's time for Get the Tea, Life Change Tea at GetTheTea.com. Go there, change your life. You heard it at the opening of the show. Enter promo code Derek at checkout. Click apply. You get free fast shipping. All right. Let's, uh, I don't know what the latest is. When I recorded this, I was up to date on the latest with Elon Musk. I don't think I spent that much time on Elon Musk. I hope you had a great Easter. I hope you had a great Easter. I don't know why Alexa's going off on me but uh, i hope you had uh, a great easter it scared the hell out of me actually <laughs> it's going off in the background like what the hell is that i forgot to set it on mute um but i hope you had a great easter we had a great easter the easter bunny hid hard-boiled eggs eight of them around i think it was eight of i thought there was nine when i put them out but we haven't come across the ninth one i was kind of in a hurry because they were waking up so i didn't hide them any place super hard so i can't and it's a hard-boiled egg. What can go wrong? But I remember as a kid, we'd find hard-boiled eggs late into the evening. Sometimes my parents didn't either count or remember where they put them. And now I'm sitting there going, yeah, okay, now I can see how you could do that. I think I found them all or they found them all. I mean, I set them like on the table, on the chair, things like that. And they are in a, the midst of a sugar rush. So happy Easter to you. Hope yours was wonderful. Mine was. Now let's get on with the show. Lots going on in the world. It's amazing how much uh, insanity we as a species can cram into a 24-hour period, isn't it? it? Really is. We've got some uh, some great audio for you coming up. God, these leftists! I just don't know how they live with themselves. I don't know how they live with themselves and what they do. <clears throat> I really, I really don't. I want to start talk a little bit about, and just a little bit. I know people are growing tired of the. Twitter talk, but it is kind of a big deal. There's, there's a, just a couple of things going around <clears throat> that are absolutely perfect. There's a meme about uh, Elon Musk and the, the members of government. And it says, instead of worrying, and there's a picture of Elon Musk, instead of worrying about how this guy spends his money, you should worry about how they are spending yours. <coughs> Excuse me. And there is Joe Biden signing God knows what piece of legislation surrounded by a whole bunch of Democrats. And that is wildly true. Yet there is not much attention paid to how those guys, those people are spending our money. They don't give a damn. They don't care. Meanwhile, the media is playing right along with this. And what's hilarious is last week, the Washington Post ran a piece... It, it, how these people live with themselves is something I'll never know. Somebody named Ellen K. Pow. She was the former CEO of Reddit. Ellen K. K is the middle name. Pow. P-A-O. 
Her uh, column, Elon Musk's vision of free speech will be bad for Twitter. God, for, how can free speech be bad for anything? The uh, sub-headline is Tesla CEO has used platform in ugly ways. Now he gets to shape the company's policies. Yeah, uh, Ellen, it's really amazing how somebody who is a former CEO of Reddit, which is a supposedly free speech platform, would take the time to decry free speech in any form. But that's who the left are. They are raging hypocrites. They don't give a damn about you. They don't give a damn about your rights. If they could stamp out your rights for the greater good, for their greater good, they'd absolutely do it. They are bad people to the bone. But in this garbage piece that ran in the Washington Post, she writes the following quote. Musk's appointment to Twitter's board. Now, this was written before he had passed on the board. Musk's appointment to Twitter's board shows that we need regulation of social media platforms to prevent rich people from controlling our channels of communication. Now, this is a former CEO of a corporation, Ellen K. Powell, but it, she's writing this in the pages of the Washington Post. The Washington Post, which is owned lock, stock, and barrel by Jeff Bezos, bought for $250 million with no sense of irony, no sense of self-awareness. These people are out there criticizing Elon Musk over what they are doing because it's not just the Washington Post. The Boston Globe was purchased for $70 million by John Henry who has a trading firm, J.W. Henry & Company, and his net worth, at least at the time of his purchase, was $2.6 billion. I'm sure all of these net worths are more now, and Sheldon Adelson has actually, I believe, passed away. So this is an old list, but it's just demonstrative of how these people work, how they operate. The Las Vegas Review-Journal was bought for $140 million by Sheldon Adelson. His net worth at the time was $35.4 billion. Now, Adelson and the purchase of the Las Vegas Review-Journal at the time did cause cackles from the left in the media about this conservative billionaire buying this outlet. None of the others caused any sort of, hey, what's going on here? Amazon is currently in the midst of a fight against unionization. How do you think the... Uh, Washington Post is covering it. Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. The Atlantic Magazine. Don't know how much was paid for the Atlantic Magazine, but it was probably along the lines of the deal for Newsweek a few years ago when it was a dollar. And you go, how could they sell this for a dollar? Well, it had massive amounts of debt. Right? It had a ton of assets, but it had massive amounts of debt. And so somebody unburdened themselves of that debt. For the, to the tune of a, you give me a dollar and you can have all the physical infrastructure and the cachet and the website and everything related to Newsweek, but you also have to eat all the debt. I'm sure the previous owners of Newsweek were absolutely thrilled beyond belief to unburden themselves of the debt because Newsweek was running into the ground. Now, rich people buy these magazines and they run them as vanity projects, the ones that can't make any money. Think the Weekly Standard. Now, it's gone, it's dead. The world is a better place for it being gone and dead. But Bill Crystal, my God, that little fat troll, the garden gnome, 
he uh, he had a business plan that involved him not really having to work for a living while rich people gave him money. And, you know, God bless him. It's a, a testament to capitalism that somebody with no discernible talent dining out almost exclusively on their father's name can make one hell of a living in the United States of America, even if it started in the 90s. He's having a tougher time of it now, but he's got a new billionaire patron. He's got his sugar daddy, you know, the woman from the, I need my sugar daddy. If Bill Crystal were called for jury duty, Bill Crystal would be going, I can't do it. I need to see my sugar daddy every day. I won't be able to live. And $8,000 a month is nothing compared to what Bill Crystal is doing. Of course, what that woman is doing is probably also nothing compared to what Bill Crystal is doing for his sugar daddy. But the Weekly Standards business plan, their business model, their goal was to lose a million dollars a year. That was it. Uh, lose. Um, now imagine putting together a business plan that says we're going to lose a million dollars a year. And then they say, okay, yeah, but okay, for the first couple of years, I understand that's kind of how business startups can work. But at what point do you turn profitable? And you look right at the people you're asking for money, maybe your family, and you say, well, no, but there's never, never, never do we, that's not in the plan. Something would have to go horribly right for that to happen. We have no concept of, of running a successful business. That's why we're setting this up with your money. I'd imagine the checkbooks would close faster than, I don't know, the, uh, the mines over at the Huffington Post. But that was their business plan. After about 20 some odd years, the guy funding that million dollars a year loss looked at what the Weekly Standard had become and said, I'm not going to I'm not going to pay for this anymore. Sorry, I'm cutting you off. At which point the entire house of cards folded. That's what's amazing about the Weekly Standard is it was such a propped up entity that it couldn't last more than a couple of months, I think, after the money got cut off. It wasn't even close. It was like, boom, it was gone. They were gone. They were desperately trying to find some other sugar daddy, and they couldn't do it. But the Atlantic magazine is in kind of that same boat. Who reads the Atlantic? The effete liberal tea sippers with the pinkies out. That's it. It's owned by Lauren Powell Jobs. She has a net worth of $20.3 billion at the time of the purchase, probably more now, because she is the widow of Steve Jobs. She has her vanity project. It is called The Atlantic. Doesn't matter how much money they lose, how much embarrassment they cause the brand. The brand doesn't matter. Lauren Powell Jobs didn't earn the money, so she doesn't have any real appreciation for the money. She came into Steve Jobs' life late in life. She, uh, she gets the cachet of being the owner or the publisher, whatever she calls herself. She, hell, she owns the thing. She can call herself whatever she wants, of the Atlantic. And therefore, when she is in Manhattan or in Los Angeles or Washington, D.C., where she used to... Uh, what, who was it? She was dating the former mayor of Washington, D.C., I think. Yeah. Um, she gets to go to all the cocktail parties and talk about, oh, how, uh, how wonderful she is. Now, the Atlantic has a footprint in all of these places. So if she's there, you got to imagine that Jeffrey Goldberg, the editor-in-chief over there, is there. So at these cocktail parties, she has her own little hype man. She is Morris Day 
and Jeffrey Goldberg is Jerome, and she just runs around, and he goes, she's just great. She's just, oh, my God, she's so brilliant, so progressive, so wonderful, so awesome, so incredible. That's got to feel pretty good, especially when people really only talk to you because you're Steve Jobs' widow. Nobody goes, remember that massive contribution to society you made? And you go, no, because I didn't. I just married the guy who, who did. And so you need something. The ego is a very fragile thing, even amongst the super rich. And so I imagine that's what's going on with uh, Powell Jobs. The Los Angeles Times a few years ago was bought for $500 million. Now, who's the sucker overpaid for that? A guy named Patrick Soon Xiong, the biotech startup guy, worth $7.2 billion. So while the Washington Post is very concerned about the billionaire clash, class controlling our means of communication. They are choking the life out of the means of dissemination of information, which I would say is significantly more important. Time magazine sold for $190 million to the guy who founded Salesforce.com, Mark Benhoff. Benhoff? $6.6 billion net worth. So spare me, Washington Post, if you're concerned about the uber-wealthy having an outsized say over things. Yes, the left controls not only the reporting of information, but they are gleeful in their chokehold, their absolute life lock on the means by which that information can be disseminated and more importantly can be challenged. That's what they don't like. See, when the election happened and the New York Post was censored, was blocked, was stopped from having their Hunter Biden story spread around, they were absolutely gleeful about it. The other outlets to the extent that they talked about it, and they barely talked about it. Talked about it in terms of what? In terms of, well, there are 50 guys who used to work in the intelligence community who signed a letter, says this is classic Russian disinformation. That was the story. I've never seen a story where they spent all of their time debunking it, never once trying to confirm anything, never once trying to commit any random act of journalism, just straight up debunking of this story but they didn't explain what the story was they were debunking. It was an amazing bit of, of uh, written jujitsu. Because you have to say, well, there's this garbage story out there that you don't want people to know and you don't want people to look up. That you have to discount without giving any of the salacious details, like uh, there's pictures of, of Hunter Biden with prostitutes and... Uh, crack pipes hanging out of his mouth and there's a whole bunch of discussion about money flying around from all sorts of unsavory places they had to write that up they had to talk about that they had to report that in a way that didn't convey any of that and simultaneously did not spark any curiosity in the reader to go well i want to know more about that thing what the heck is all this stuff about now, they were benefited by the fact that they were their audience was a bunch of left-wingers, and with liberal Democrats, there really is no curiosity. They simply, they're, they're like a very well-behaved baby, you know, a, a poorly behaved toddler, infant, whatever, infant. You open, you, the spoon comes toward their mouth, and they push it away. The bad baby, they don't want it, or they spit the food out or whatever. 
your average liberal Democrat committed progressive leftist who just saps up everything that the mainstream media gives them is the, you don't even have to do the airplane. They open the hangar door. They're ready to take it. They want it. They want more. They will use their baby finger to get to the bottom of the Gerber jar to clean it out. That's how good a babies they are. So you didn't really have to worry that much about them saying, huh, it seems like there's more to this story. They weren't the target audience to keep ignorant. The target audience was the people who, you know, eh, I don't really like Joe Biden. I'm not a big fan of Donald Trump. I'm not sure who I'm going to vote for. That's who they were terrified of finding out about the story. That's why the left is terrified that Elon Musk might have gotten his hands on Twitter. Axios put it this way. The world's richest man, someone who used to be compared to Marvel's Iron Man, is increasingly behaving like a movie supervillain, commanding seemingly unlimited resources with which to finance his mischief-making. His mischief-making. Now, what do we know about Elon Musk's mischief-making? He has committed to returning freedom of speech to the public square that is Twitter. That's his mischief-making, the horror. Can you believe the horror? Can you, can you clutch your pearls hard enough? That's what they're terrified of. They're terrified that you will have a voice that won't ever eclipse the size of their voice individually. But collectively, we will easily overtake their voices. So all of their lies will become irrelevant. They might actually have to start telling the truth. That sounds an awful lot like work. And that absolutely horrifies these people. Horrifies these people. So pathetic, not surprising. I'm going to finish up this Elon Musk stuff, then we'll talk a little bit about Joe Biden's, uh, can you call it approval ratings anymore when this many people don't like what you're doing? Is it approval ratings? Is it, we got a, a disapproval ratings, I think is a more accurate way to look at it. But uh, on this Elon Musk and Katie, I just want to play you two clips of MSNBC that are indicative of how the left is reacting to the prospect. And I just have to say that if you're terrified of the prospect of free speech for everyone, you're probably a fascist. You know, let's just be honest. You're probably a fascist. But, hey, you know, who am I to judge? Uh, well, I'm right. But honestly, if you're just, that's what he's promising to do is to bring, restore, actually, free speech to Twitter to actually engage in what they say is their mission statement. And the prospect of that scares the ever-loving hell out of them. So Katie Turr was on there. Now, she's not very bright to begin with. And in the beginning of this little opening segment on her show, she says something that... It's, it's funny because she talks about lies... And misinformation. And MSNBC, they, they constantly say, oh, well, the, the righteous spreads misinformation. What Katie Turr here says at the beginning has no basis in reality whatsoever. That Elon Musk, are you ready to pay for using Twitter? What do you mean you're going to pay for using Twitter? Elon Musk hasn't said anything about paying for using Twitter. No one has said anything about paying for using Twitter. Even Katie Turr, who opens up her monologue segment about Twitter never addresses it again. Never. What is the, are you ready to pay for using Twitter? Are you ready to, to pay for getting smacked upside the head? 
And then, what the hell? But then I never bring up being smacked upside the head again or paying or anything like that. And go, wait a second. What, what, what about the smacking upside the head thing? It's just to plant the seed. It's just to get that idea. Look, it's Elon Musk takes over this thing. It's going to be dangerous. It's going to be very dangerous. You don't want Elon Musk. Take, you'll have to pay to use it probably. Well, that's what some jackhole in the uh, some chat room in the middle of 15chan or whatever is sitting there. That's what they spew. That's what the left says they're all against is these wild conspiracy theories of people just making stuff up. They're supposed to be the gatekeepers to that or against that. And yet here's Katie Turd, who's very upset. Her family lost the D in their last name a long time ago. Here's Katie Turd. We're giving it back saying just that. Will you soon have to pay to use Twitter? If Elon Musk gets his way, maybe. He's trying to buy the platform, and here's what he said about it just moments ago at the TED conference in Vancouver. Twitter has become kind of the de facto town square, um, so uh, it, it, it's just really important that people have the, both the, uh, the reality and the perception uh, that they are able to speak freely within the bounds of the law. Um, and, you know, so one of the things that I believe Twitter should do is open source the algorithm. Musk is offering a premium for Twitter, 54.20 a share. Right now, Twitter stock costs about $46. He's offering a premium. He's also talking a little trash. In a letter to Twitter's chairman, he said he doesn't have confidence in the social media's current management structure and that he elon musk can quote unlock its potential did you hear her say anything about her opening you would you, you soon may be ready to pay for twitter you soon may have to if elon if elon musk has his way maybe what kind of open is that that's not news that's not even opinion that is rumor mongering extraordinaire Yet they're trying to destroy Elon Musk. Elon Musk, who is not a conservative by any stretch of the imagination, he just happens to be a fan of free speech, is out there daring to upset the apple cart. And these people on the left have absolutely lost their ever-loving minds, what was ever left of them, at the prospect. Not that they would lose their platform. Elon Musk isn't saying, I'm going to buy Twitter and I'm going to shut up the uh, charlatans and trolls over at MSNBC. Boy, I want to shut them down. No, he's not saying that. He's saying, I want everybody to be able to speak. Everybody should be able to speak. As long as they're not advocating something illegal, like go kill this guy, or I'm going to come over to your house and beat the crap out of you, uh, you should be able to speak however you want, no matter how many leftists clutch their pearls and declare it to be misinformation. People can figure it out on their own. He has some faith in people's ability to figure it out on their own. And Katie Turr is very upset at that prospect. And so her producers wrote a lie into her teleprompter at the very beginning of her discussion of this. You ready to pay for Twitter? <gasps> now, if you're just sitting there and you're a casual MSNBC viewer and you're that dumb and you oh, wait a second, they're going to make me pay. I don't want to pay for this. This is where I get my validation. This is where I get my attention. I'm not going to pay. For now, Elon Musk is a monster. Elon Musk created an electric car company. More importantly, to you would think to the left, he created an electric car that people actually want. How many, you know, you want to buy a full electric Prius? 
If you really want a full electric car, maybe, or a Chevy Volt. The only problem with those Priuses and the Chevy Volts and 95% of the electric cars out there is they are ugly as your average MSNBC host. They're hideous looking. They're just gross. They're dumb looking. You look, when the, I remember when the Prius first came out, I'm like, what in the hell is that? Oh, it's so green. Okay, it's green, but does it have to be ugly? Apparently it does. I assume it has something to do with keeping the weight down so they can try and screech more miles out of the batteries or whatever. But Tesla didn't suffer from that. Tesla makes good-looking cars. If you're never going to drive more than 300 miles in a pop, if you don't ever want to plan on taking a road trip or when you do, you're going to rent a car, Tesla ain't a bad deal. <clears throat> it's a nice and you got the money you got to have the money for it and the time to wait for the damn thing to, to get in thanks to Biden's supply chain but a Tesla is a good looking car before you knew it was electric or even when you, you're just driving you see one on the road you go ooh that's a nice car what is that oh it's a te- okay yeah it's a Tesla by the way I don't know why uh, I don't live in a, a super rich town or anything but the other day I was driving to the grocery store and I saw a, a freaking Lamborghini. <laughs> like, what is it? He wasn't going to the Safeway. I don't know what the hell he was doing, but he was driving down this down, down Main Street in a Lamborghini. And I'm like, all right, well, there you go. That's another one of those cars that catches your eye. But a Tesla catches your eye for the same. Well, boy, when I was a kid, though, what was it? Uh, in Cannonball Run. It's the first time I ever saw. I, it was years before I ever saw a Lamborghini in person. But when you're watching cable and you see Cannonball Run and they had the two hot chicks in the uh, Lamborghini that used their cleavage to get out of speeding tickets, everything about that was a, a young boy's dream. And I had a Matchbox Lamborghini. Man, I don't even I actually wouldn't want If I had the money to buy a Lamborghini, I probably wouldn't buy a Lamborghini because it seems to me that they're like a death trap. That there's so much horsepower, they just fly out of control and uh, crash it pretty easily. And I, I'd, if I were like, you win the lottery, a hundred million dollars, I'd buy a tank. <laughs> That's how I'd go to the store. Anybody can hit me all they want. I'm driving a tank. Anyway, the uh, the Tesla is a good looking car. You would think nobody has done more to popularize quote unquote green cars more than elon musk but the left hates him because he's in favor of free speech for everybody he recognizes the universal truth of freedom of speech that it is not popular speech that needs protection it is unpopular speech that needs protection it is not the popular kids who uh, you have to worry about not being able to express themselves thoroughly it is the unpopular kids now, are there really bad ideas in among the unpopular kids? Absolutely. Positively. There are really bad ideas amongst the popular kids as well. The point of freedom of speech is that those views, good or bad, are challenged. The bad views fall apart. The good views get stronger. And then more people come around to believing in those good views. To demand to censor people to demand to silence your opposition isn't but it is a sign of your your intrinsic fascism but it's also a sign of your acknowledgement whether you're aware of it or not it could be subconscious that you have a weak argument an incredibly weak argument 
that you are probably wrong, but that you don't care. That your ultimate goal is to achieve your goal. You don't give a damn uh, if it's hurtful, if it's harmful, if it doesn't work, if it makes things worse. You don't care. You really mostly just oppose the opposition and you don't want them to get their way. And if people have to get hurt in the prospect, so what? So what? So then Katie Turr continues and she gets even more hyperbolic. Aside from having to lie at the beginning of her opening statement there, she then goes on to talk about how big of a threat the idea of free speech for everybody. I don't know what they teach in journalism school. I really don't. I've never been to J school. I would never waste my money going to J school. But they don't seem to spend a lot of time. Maybe they teach the words of the First Amendment, but they don't spend an awful lot of time on the meaning of them. Listen to Katie Turd. It's so tricky, Kara, because there are real and devastating consequences for using that platform to lie. Mm -hmm. And we've seen it. We've seen it happen. I wonder... You know, when talking about this, it's, you know, it's kind of funny. Oh, Elon Musk wants to buy it. But there are massive life and globe altering consequences for just letting people Mm -hmm. run wild on the thing. Yes, 100 percent. But that's Facebook is really the, yeah. where the real action is in that. So that's this is a very small company. People, It has an outsized influence because media people like it, politicians, world leaders um, and Elon Musk. Yeah, no, there are real serious, serious worldwide, worldwide consequences. We're all going to die if people are able to express themselves uh, freely on social media. We have to make sure that no one is out there saying that cloth masks are garbage that actually wearing a mask hasn't made a damn bit of difference throughout the entire pandemic. They, those threats to democracy need to be silenced. Wait a second, there's a disconnect there. Uh, freedom of speech is a threat to democracy? Well, yeah, we covered this yesterday or last time. Max Boot, columnist for the Washington Post, quote, I am frightened by the impact on society and politics if Elon Musk acquires Twitter. He seems to believe that on social media anything goes. For democracy to survive, we need more content moderation, not less. For democracy to survive, we must treat the concept of freedom of speech amongst people with whom the left disagrees. We must treat them the way that Derek Chauvin treated George Floyd. We must pin it down. We must put our knee on the neck of the people we don't like expressing themselves. Yes. Oh, I went there. I did go there because it illustrates the point. It's exactly what these people are advocating. It's exactly what these people are doing. Two of these people are. They can say anything, no matter how horrible. Search out Andy No's Twitter account. Andy No is the uh, the foremost reporter on BLM Antifa riots in the country. He has been violently attacked many, many times. He had his uh, skull fractured once because they threw a. Uh, it was a milkshake filled with like, concrete. They just, they, they are violent people and they want to kill Andy No. And they openly talk about wanting to kill Andy No on Twitter. When there are riots, when there are protests, and then there's a rumor that circulates, oh, I hear Andy No might be at this thing in Portland. Ooh, what's going on? Anybody see Andy No? Let me know. I want to come up there. I want to kick him upside the head. I want to do this. I want to do Those actual calls to violence 
are never deleted off of Twitter. And he tweets them. He retweets them to highlight how it is that these people are able to get away with it. But he doesn't, they don't get deleted. A death threat against the right person is okay. An insult against the wrong person or even a joke at the expense of the wrong person is not okay. It's this just this side of a hate crime. So the Antifa accounts can say we need to kill Andy. No, and Twitter safety goes, yeah, we probably do. But the Babylon Bee tweets out that Rachel Levine, the trans whatever deputy secretary of health and human services who lived 50 some odd years as a dude and then the last 20 minutes of life said, no, I'm a chick. The Babylon Bee tweets out that uh, Rachel Levine is our man of the year. And they get suspended. They get blocked. They get locked out of their account. And you sit there and you go, how is how is one an actual call to violence? Okay. And the other, a joke from a satire site. It's not even though that the Babylon Bee pretends to be some honest news source and they just fill their pages with satire. They tell you straight out they are a satire site that they get suspended. The New York Post gets suspended for the Hunter Biden story. They had to wait and they they couldn't get their account back unless and until they deleted their original tweet story. Twitter said, nope, sorry. This disinformation, you weren't allowed to share it. Nobody was allowed to share it. And if you found a way around it, screen capture things, you ran risk of being suspended yourself. And Katie Turr is going, it's a dangerous implications and ramifications for, for the whole world out there. If people are allowed to speak, yes, there are. For people like you, there are dangerous ramifications that the thin veil of credibility with the very few people that you have left will be peeled back and you'll lose even more of your audience. I can see why they're against it. These people who make their living and exist because of the First Amendment, who desperately wanted to deny it to you in every platform. It's not like, uh, well, freedom of speech, Twitter's a private company. They can do it. Yeah, they are. But And so is MSNBC, but you're supposed to be journalists. When's the last time you presented an opposing viewpoint on MSNBC ever? Never. When's the last time a serious opposing viewpoint was presented in the pages of the New York Times? Last time they did that, the editorial page uh, editor was fired because he ran a column by a United States senator that upset the left. These people are, you want to talk about threats to democracy worldwide. These people need to find a reflective surface, but considering the chuds that they are, I don't blame them for not wanting to look at one. We need to uh, forget about, move away from Twitter talk to our unpopular president. Our un- you almost feel bad for the guy. Have you seen this footage? Joe Biden the other day giving a speech. I don't even know where it was. He turns when he's done, and I don't know what he, what is he, does he think he's a beetle or something? He turns and like puts his hand out like he's going to shake it and go uh, shake somebody's hand. And he, there's nobody there. Nobody's interested. Nobody wants him. Nobody wants anything. And you go, wait a second. Why is he doing it? Did somebody brief him that there would be <laughs> somebody there? Okay, now it's immediately after, Mr. President, immediately after you... Uh, 
you finish speaking, you then turn and shake hands right away, immediately. Don't waste any time. Everything must be uh, immediate. And you're like, what in the hell? Because otherwise there's no excuse for him to like turn and go to shake the hands of anybody. Go to shake the hands of anything. There's nobody there. Nobody's around the president. He's got this COVID cocoon around him. So uh, you look at that and you think this is just sad, but it's not just that. It is that the, it's the things he says, too, while he was speaking. We've got a couple of clips here. Let's see. Let's start with uh, this 70% number. There's a myth that Joe Biden is perpetrating, that the Democrats are trying to perpetrate. The American people aren't falling for it. It goes with what I said the other day about the Putin price hike and like 6% blamed Putin for the increase in prices. And you think, well, who are these 6%? What's wrong with them? And that's a good question. But uh, they're sitting there and they're going, oh, Putin price hike, Putin price hike. And then they come up with statistics insight. Because, you know, when somebody is BSing you, you need to slather. They, they tend to slather on a whole lot more. They can just tell you the lie and move on. Just the way they tell you the truth and move on. Inflation is, if inflation were low, they would just go, you know, inflation is, is really low right now. And we're very good. And that's it. Why? Because that would be the truth. You say, well, inflation's a problem. You say, well, inflation is a problem. We're working on it. And that would be the end of it. But that doesn't help your party come November. The truth is your enemy. The truth is your problem. So they end up having to slather on all sorts. Of, it's not, it's not, no, 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 it's not, infl inflation's not our fault. It's Vladimir Putin's fault. Last month, don't you know that he invaded Ukraine? He invaded Ukraine. That caused a spike in everything. Yeah, okay, so yeah, it caused a 50 cent per gallon increase in the price of gasoline. How do you explain the other dollar fifty in the previous year in all those 12 months when Vladimir Putin wasn't invading Ukraine? Joe, you got, you got anything? Anything on that, Bueller? Anyone? No? I didn't think so. <laughs> that's just how it is so it's not working for him but he can't stop all he's got left is the support of the few small percent of the american public who believes that garbage so yesterday he repeated that garbage blaming putin and with a made-up number of 70 percent listen to it putin's invasion of ukraine has driven up Gas prices and food prices all over the world. Ukraine and Russia are the one and two largest wheat producers in the world. We're number three. They're shut down. We saw that in yesterday's inflation data. What people don't know is that 70% of the increase in inflation was a consequence of Putin's price hike because of the impact on oil prices. 70%. 70%. Now, where does that number come from? It comes from nowhere. They just make it up. <laughs> he just made it up. 70% 70 of this is Putin's price. Okay, well, let's just play that game then, Joe. Vladimir Putin last month invaded Ukraine. Inflation in January was 7.5% over the previous year. Now it's up to 8.5%. You can blame, I suppose, theoretically 70% of that one percentage point 
on Vladimir Putin if you really wanted to. However, it's probably not the, uh, the fairest, most accurate thing you've ever said, to say it the least. See, he's just making it up. When you're desperate, you say desperate things. Joe Biden is wildly unpopular. Wildly, wildly unpopular. That brings us to this new poll. New York Post. How low can he go? Just a third of all Americans, 33% approve of how President Biden is handling his job responsibilities, according to a new Quinnipiac University poll. Now, you can say, well, that's not, I've heard that number before. You have heard that number before, but you heard it from Rasmussen. And that is, you know, always dismissed by the left-wing media as a right-wing poll. That's just how they are. Oh, they're right-wingers. What do you expect? What are you going to do? Now it's one of their own. And all the other ones are like 35%. So um, Rasmussen wasn't an outlier. As uh, so the commander-in-chief's worst performance yet in the benchmark survey. On the flip side, 54% of respondents disapprove of Biden's performance. 54% disapproval rating. You really, you have to try to tick people off to get that unpopular. With 43% saying that they strongly disapprove. By contrast, just 18% say they strongly approve of Biden. 13% said they didn't know or declined to answer the question because I don't know what the hell's wrong with people. Is like, would you have an opinion? I don't know. I don't. Who's president now? What's going on? Well, actually, somebody who answered a, a survey like that would be qualified to co-host The View. Biden's approval rating among registered voters is a little better, sitting at 35%, another low for the survey, and down 17 percentage points from his high approval rating in February of 2021. Now, what's amazing is when you break it down and go into the numbers, go into the data, it is, um, it's not a good time for Joe Biden, not a good time at all. Amongst uh, people who strongly approve, total 18%. There's 1% of Republicans. I suspect that they were drunk when they called and said, oh, I'm a Republican when they're not. 46% of the 18% strongly approve are Democrats. And only 11% of independents. Even women, which have been a, uh, a strong suit for Democrats, only 21% of, of the uh, 18%, 21% of women strongly approve. Not a good time for Joe Biden. Not a good look for Joe Biden. Approve somewhat 15% of women. Strongly disapprove 39% of women. Now, 48% of men. Men proving once again smarter. Just kidding. No, I'm not. But uh, yeah, 13% of men don't know, 15% of women don't know. And the it was always the bread and butter that Democrats did well with women and the college educated. People with a four-year degree, white people, this was their bread and butter. White people with a four-year degree, they not only vote for the Democrats, they also fund the Democrats. Only 30% strongly approve but 21% somewhat approved. So amongst whitey with a four-year college degree, you get to 51%. That's the only saving grace and the only number you could look at and go, all right, well, at least we've got them if you're a Democrat. That's it. 
that you get over 50% in one category. It's white people with a four-year college degree who at a bare minimum somewhat approve of what you're doing. But on the matter of race, which, boy, this is oxygen for the left, and this just has to suck it right out of their lungs. It's really, really, really not going well. And young people. Young people, 18 to 34, strongly approve of Joe Biden, only 7%. Only 7%. Only 14% somewhat approve. That means 21% approval rating amongst people 18 to 34. The very people Democrats insist to the world they have a lock on because those evil, heartless Republicans, there's no way. They're just those hate mongers, those transphobes. They turn off all the young progressive generation. Maybe they do. But this 21% approval rating, somewhat or higher, approve, is what? What does that mean? That means those people aren't going to, that doesn't mean they're going to vote for Republicans. They're just not going to. But they will not show up to vote. They will go, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go. Not interested in that. No way. Vote for one is the same as the other which is good news for Republicans because the 18 to 34-year-old crowd, especially the closer to 18 crowd, do tend to vote more for Democrats. So great. When it goes to 35 to 49-year-olds, for some reason they're dumber than than the younger kids, they have a 13% approve strongly and a 21% somewhat approve. 50 to 64, 23% approve strongly of Joe Biden. But what's amazing here is you get to the strongly disapproved. Strongly disapproved. This doesn't include disapproved somewhat. Because you think, well, 23% and then 65 and older, 33% approve of Joe Biden. You're getting up there. And higher. yeah, in 65 or older, the strongly disapproved is 42. So you got strongly approved 33, strongly disapproved 42. Joe Biden is underwater in everything. Under the uh, 50 to 64-year-olds, 23% strongly approve, 51% strongly disapprove. Those are the people who are most being hammered by inflation. They not only have to, you know, everybody has to pay inflated prices at the grocery store, but these people have to go to work. They're playing inflated prices for gasoline. These people are the people more likely to be moving. Those in the 35 to 49 year olds, the ones looking to buy new houses. Those are the ones that are getting hammered by an increase. The housing prices are still going through the roof, but interest rates are going up with it now. You're going, what the hell's happening here? Democrats are screwing up everything. I absolutely love every second of this. And the best news of all, if you're a conservative or you're just not an insane Democrat, is that the support, the race-based support for Democrats is going to hell in a handbasket too. Amongst whites, strongly approve, 17%, somewhat approve, 13%. So you've got a 30% approval rating amongst whites. 49% of whites strongly disapprove, while 9% somewhat disapprove. So that's 58% disapprove one degree or another with 11% going on. It wasn't even town. What's going on? Who's president? Among black voters, he's got a 33% strongly approved. This is the only group that saves him for above 50%. 
But it doesn't save him in general because Democrats are used to and need, quite frankly, about an 80 to 90 percent approval rating and turnout and vote amongst black voters. So keep that in mind as you hear these numbers. You got 33 percent of blacks strongly approve of Joe Biden, strongly approve. And another 29 percent approve somewhat. So Joe Biden's approval rating amongst blacks is 62%. That's good, but not for a Democrat, certainly not for a Democrat president, especially not for a Democrat president who's done so much racist racist pandering as Joe Biden has. 13% somewhat disapprove and 11% strongly disapprove. So you've got 24% strongly disapprove or disapprove somewhat and 14% were out to lunch. But the black vote is something the Democrats have always had, something they've always planned on having, something they've taken for granted. That's not the disturbing news for Democrats. The disturbing news for Democrats comes in the Hispanic vote. Remember, this is a Democrat poll. And this is a Democrat-weighted sample. And everything in favor of Democrats and the Hispanic numbers are in the toilet for good old Joe. The polling data for Joe Biden not looking good when it comes to Hispanics. See, the Hispanics were the emergency break for Democrats. That's what they were. That's where they were. That's how they were. That's who they were. They were going to replace the black vote as its percentage of the population dwindled with the Hispanic vote. And they were using the same tactics. Just racial identity politics, period, end of story. That was it. That was it. That was all. And they thought it would work. What they didn't seem to realize is that as the Democrat Party began to further embrace socialism slash communism slash fat, you decide your isms. They're all different sides of the same die. And as they did that, the Hispanic voter would notice they were doing that and go, wait a second. That's why we're in this country to begin with. That's why we fled Guatemala. That's why we fled El Salvador. That's why we fled Venezuela. You name it. That's why they fled it. These promises from government that we're going to make everything better. Boy, we're going to just be able to do everything good. And don't worry, we're going to look out for the poor people. What do you think of all those South American strong men? got into power promising, I'll stand up to those evil people with money and I will do this, that, and the other thing. I'm looking, I care about the poor. And they got the popular support and they get the, uh, the vote and then they stop allowing voting. <laughs> it's really, really nice, really interesting, really curious how that works. And these people are recognizing this and going, well, I don't want that stuff here. We fled to here because it didn't have that stuff. Democrats can't seem to wrap their brains around that. So in this Quinnipiac poll, support among Hispanics, this has to scare the hell out of Democrats, strongly approve, only 12% of Hispanics strongly approve of Joe Biden's job. And another 12% somewhat approve. That means the total Hispanic approval rating for Joe Biden is 
24%. It is 30% amongst whites. They're counting on the minority vote to carry them over the line, and they're losing it big time. If Republicans manage to make a dent in the black vote, if they manage to pick up some of that disillusioned 31% with Joe Biden, and they manage to pick up some of that delusioned 76% of Hispanics from Joe Biden, not only will 2022 be a bloodbath, but 2024 will be a bloodbath. So when you look at the disapproval readings, somewhat disapprove, Somewhat disapprove Hispanics, 13%. 13%. Okay, 13%. The strongly disapprove, 41%. 41%. 54 of Hispanics have a, a disapproval of Joe Biden. Let that sink in, Democrats out there, because it's not pretty. But it's who you guys, it's what you guys have earned. You look at a group of people just as their skin color and you ignore the fact that there's a large percentage of them who are Catholic who sit there and go, wait a second, abortion on demand up to and including the birth? That's a bit much. People who sit there and go, you mean to tell me that a woman can become a man, a man can become a woman, and we're just supposed to say, yeah, that's normal. That's okay. God screwed it up. There are all these genetic markers, all these uh, chromosomal markers and hormonal markers inside the human body. And we're supposed to just ignore them all because the person says, nope, I feel this other way. And you want to talk that way about, about that to my kids in school rather than teach them how to read or write? That's the priority? That's not right. No. Democrats used to get a much larger percentage of the Hispanic vote. They really did. But the Democratic Party has relied, I can't say heavily, exclusively on the identity politics. On straight up identity politics carrying the day. So they look at it and they go, well, it doesn't matter. Well, Republicans are racist. Vote for us. And all the activist groups, the Casas and all this and the other thing, La Raza, and all, all these race based groups that are trying to emulate what they did with the black community in the country are all going, yeah, 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 this is great. This is great. This is great. Nobody seemed to notice the dwindling numbers, the dwindling membership numbers the dwindling vote numbers. They don't know how to correct it. Democrats don't know how to appeal to somebody based on just their ideas being good. You see that in the panic over Elon Musk and the concept that free speech could return to Twitter. Oh, no. People will get the wrong impression. I mean, no, people will get a different impression. It's wrong. It's a different impression. You know, people will hear things you don't want them to hear. People who have confidence in their arguments don't fear people hearing contrary arguments. They're ready to take them on. These people are not ready to take them on. They're not equipped to take them on. Joe Biden runs around going, well, Republicans, what do Republicans stand for? Republicans don't necessarily have to say what they stand for. They just have to stand for what not Democrats are. It's not very often that that happens in politics. I thought Ron, uh, Mitt Romney's campaign in 2012 was bad, was a bad campaign. He was running mostly as I'm not him. 
mostly because I think Mitt Romney couldn't run as a con- he's not a conservative, so he had he couldn't expose himself as not a conservative. I think he's a progressive Republican. But whenever you have a party running as I'm not them, nine times out of ten it will fail. This time I think of one of those times where it could work because the Democrats are so wildly unpopular that all the Republicans have to be is not them. All they got to do is not screw it up, which sadly can be a tall order for them. But right now it looks pretty damn good. I'm a big advisor to not spike the ball on the five-yard line. But uh, you can at least start, you know, considering some choreography as you're running past the 15 at this point, because I don't know how Democrats, barring Republicans completely screwing up or something, something either horrendous happening where the country rallies around the flag or something I can't even possibly imagine going so absolutely fabulously right that everybody comes and says, you know what, we need Democrats. I don't know how they pull up from this. You've got uh, almost record numbers of Democrats retiring because they recognize it. And if you've been in the majority, you don't want to go back to the minority in Congress because you don't get to do anything. All the fun and power of the job is in the majority. So if you got your pension set, you got a job lined up for when you're done where you're going to really make some money, you go, all right, I had a good run. It's time to cash in. Read the writing on the wall. There isn't a year when things are going well for a party where they have double-digit retirements. That's all I'm saying. And these poll numbers are, uh, are a really good indication about how bad things could be, should be, for Democrats. Just saying. Okay, so the President of the United States in his speech when he's uh, talking about how everything's Vladimir Putin's fault, without being able to point out anything specific or explain why it was that inflation had been at 7.5% in the month before Putin even started amassing troops on the Ukrainian border. He also went on to talk about <clears throat> how he spent his time from between being vice president and president as a professor at the University of Pennsylvania. Did you know that he was a college professor? Um, yeah, he was. Except he wasn't. It was an honorary post. They paid him a million dollars over those four years, $250,000 a year to use his name on fundraising letters. It is, uh, you know, just another example of a politician selling themselves, whoring themselves out, you might say, because that's what these people do. But he never taught a course. He never taught a course. He never, to the best of anybody's reporting, even guest lectured at a course. I think he spoke at a commencement address. But that's it. You imagine, could you, would you get that kind of sweetheart deal? You wouldn't. Would your crackhead son get that kind of a sweetheart deal? Probably not. But listen to Joe Biden give a speech to a crowd. He gets away with this sort of stuff. The fact checkers let it slide because... They're all on board. I've been on a lot of university campuses. Matter of fact, for four years, I was a full professor at the University of Pennsylvania. I've been on a lot of university campuses. Matter of fact, for four years, I was a full professor. No, you weren't. No, you weren't. How can he get away with that? 
How did, you know, it's just minor, it's just minor. Everything that came out of Donald Trump's mouth or dripped off of his fingertips onto Twitter was fact-checked immediately. They had people whose job it was to continually troll the president of the United States to find anything nitpick. The Washington Post ran a count of lies and uh, distortions, and then they, they bastardized those words to mean anything he got wrong. Well, I don't care who a person is, they're going to get something wrong. They're going to make mispronouncements. They're going to make misstatements. For God's sakes, Joe Biden is a gaff machine, and nobody's counting them. They counted every single one of them about Donald Trump. Go through that Washington Post. They won a Pulitzer Prize for their reporting on Donald Trump's lies. Go through and just pick any random lie and see what they are. See how flimsy some of these things are. They did everything they could. They had a goal in mind. And so what they did was they wanted to get that number as high as possible. Big numbers means big audiences, means other people are talking about it. And then you just need more numbers. So they can say, whoa, it passed 10,000, 10,000 lies you told. Really? Okay, one of those lies is what? He was wrong about the start time of an event? He was wrong about the day of an event? You look at these things and you're like, are you kidding me? Well, here's the current president of the United States lying to an audience about his own life. Lying to an audience about his own life and nobody's calling him out on it. Nobody's calling him out on it. (laughs) <laughs> and you sit there and you go, why? How is this possible? How does this allow to slide? Well, because what? Because he can. Because he can. What are they going to do? They're going to call him out on it now? They're going to say, hey, the guy's a fraud? No. They're sniffing around the Hunter Biden story, and that's about as close as they're going to get. But on January 24th, 2021, the Washington Post ran a piece, Trump's false or misleading claims totaled 30,573 over four years. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. How many lies? How many this? How many that? Well, you can look them up. And you'll find out things like things that changed later on about COVID. They went crazy with COVID. They really went crazy with COVID. They love themselves. There is no attempt to catalog the lies of Joe Biden. There isn't. Let's see, most repleted claims about Mueller, about Mueller. It sounds like uh, every denial that he did about Russia was in there. It was misleading. Hillary Clinton funded. Hillary Clinton did not fund it. Her campaign did. Well, that's a lie. That counts as a lie. How does that, in what world does that count as a lie? Well, it just counts as a lie. That's just how it is. One lie. We also got tax cuts, the largest tax cuts and reform in the history of our country by far. Oh, that's a lie. Okay, well, Joe Biden, we have the strongest economy ever. You fact-checking that? No, you're not. Also January 20, 2021. That's why our regulations cuts have such good and have had such good jobs numbers. The job numbers have been absolutely incredible. Now, leaving aside Trump's claim about the impact of his regulation cuts, which is dubious, Trump leaves office as the first president since World War II to have fewer people employed than when he took office. Yeah, there was a little thing called the pandemic and Democrats had shut down their states. But when you were not involved in the pandemic, when you were not seeing Democrats shut down their economies, 
the economy was booming and there was record job growth. But Joe Biden comes in and says, we've created 8 million jobs or 6 million jobs or whatever it is. There's no fact check of that. These are not new jobs. These are those jobs that Democrats shut off, shut down, clamped down on during COVID lockdowns. But you don't even have to go that. You can just look at it and go, when was Joe Biden a professor? Find me. Here's a challenge. Find somebody, media. Find one human being who took a class taught by Joe Biden. Find one human being who took a class taught by Joe Biden at the University of Pennsylvania. He was a full professor for four years at the University of Pennsylvania. Should he not have caught, taught classes? Should you not be able to find, even if it wasn't a, a, a lecture class or whatever, he would have been somebody's advisor or involved in a directed study with one human being somewhere on the planet. Should he not? But no, it's not how it works. That's not the truth. Joe Biden is flat out lying and not a single person in the media cares about it. You can sit there and say, well, it's a minor lie. It is a minor lie. But as I've illustrated, they made a living pointing this garbage out about Donald Trump. They made a living doing that. They loved it. They got sexually aroused at the prospect of a Donald Trump speech because the people at the Washington Post and the Daniel Dales over at CNN, who, I don't know, does he lose his job? He's the fact checker over at CNN. You haven't heard of him. He talks about, oh, Joe Biden was uh, wrong when he said people would save $500 a month. It's more like uh, $50 a month. Oh, okay. Well, that's just a mistake then, right? It's just an honest mistake. Except that the president told the audience of millions watching is $500 a month. And in reality, it's 10% of that. Maybe maybe 12 people saw Daniel Dale's little uh, snippet 30-second appearance on CNN after midnight on the day of the State of the Union address. And they go, well, we're just we're treating the Trump administration exactly the same way. These are people who did fact checks live during debates and would do 15 fact checks, 14 of which were calling Donald Trump a liar, and one on, on uh, Joe Biden said, and he was actually right about this. Like, that's, that's your idea of balance? And then you look at these people and you go, no wonder you're, you're soiling yourselves over the prospect of people being able to express themselves on Twitter. You don't want people to tell you what they think of you, because they don't think much of you. Your ratings are in the toilet, and we think of you as what we flush down that toilet. Actually, no. We have fond memories of the meals that made up what we flushed down that toilet. We don't really have any fond memories of you. Yeah, this is what the left has become. You can see why they can't be beaten. They have to be absolutely destroyed. Okay, now I want to get to... The audio of, well, you remember, let's do this one first. You remember when the uh, border agents were whipping those illegal aliens, the sweet, our moral betters, our moral superiors, the sweet, sweet, nourishing illegal aliens piling across the border into this country, unwelcome, coming in here, bringing God knows what viruses with them. The pandemic was raging. You weren't allowed to leave your house except to maybe go get some food. But they they were allowed to come in and do whatever the hell they wanted. They could do whatever the hell they wanted because why not? They were your better. They were your significant better. Well, 
It uh, the invest those photographs of the guys using the reins to the western reins to move the horses around so they didn't plow into these idiot illegal aliens. Well, <clears throat> the left went absolutely bonkers over that. They're whipping them. They're whipping these poor, sweet, sweet, nourishing illegals. And they weren't. They weren't doing nothing of the sort. But frankly, uh, and I mean this in the nicest possible way, so what? Who cares? <laughs> if you're breaking into the country illegally, that you might get hit with the reins while uh, somebody's trying to keep a horse from trampling you to death is not going to rate in my top 10,000 for concerns. Still, the president, the vice president, everybody in the media was like, disturbing scenes from the southern border. Reminiscent of slavery. Really? Reminiscent of slavery? Yes, reminiscent of slavery. A full-scale investigation will be launched. Well, we knew exactly what the thing was immediately, but Joe Biden had to pander racially, and you wonder why the Hispanic vote is going. We can't stand you, dude. Well, the after more than a year, the investigation has finally concluded. Finally concluded. I'll tell you the conclusions after we listen to the President of the United States back then talk about how disgusting and disturbing the display of violence against the sweet, sweet nourishing and your moral superior illegal aliens went. Given what we saw at the border this week, have you failed in that promise? And this is happening under your watch. Do you take responsibility for the chaos that's unfolding? Of course I take responsibility. I'm president, but it was horrible what to see, as you saw. To see people treat it like they did, horses barely running them over, people being strapped, it's outrageous. I promise you those people will pay. They will be an investigation underway now, and there will be consequences. There will be consequences. It's an embarrassment, but it's beyond an embarrassment. It's dangerous. It's wrong. It sends the wrong message around the world. It sends the wrong message at home. It's simply not who we are. It's simply not who we are. It's dangerous. It's wrong. Is there a single Democrat jackass out there who's ever been right about these pronouncements they've made before the facts came in? Has there ever been one? Barack Obama, well, it's pretty clear that the uh, Cambridge police acted stupidly. Nope, your little racist college professor buddy was the one who acted stupidly. Barry. Oh, Sonny looked just like Trayvon. Why don't you wait and find out whether or not Trayvon was sitting on the dude's chest, punching him in the face? Why don't you find that out first before you weigh in on anything? How about the, you know, you went to law school. Both of these jerks went to law school. You would think that they would understand the concept of the presumption of innocence, right? Due process. But no. So now, more than a year later, We've got an answer, and it's exactly what we knew the answer would be. All men involved were cleared. They were not whipping any of the illegal aliens. They were controlling their horses. They are skilled riders of those horses and doing their jobs as prescribed by their job description. These pathetic politicians in Washington, D.C., the president of the United States is a disgrace to his office, and everybody he leads, he just didn't care. He didn't care. He knew what he had to say. He's a very good dog. Joe Biden is a very good follower for a self-proclaimed leader. So, yeah, he can get bent. All charges dropped. No investigate. No con all the conclusion, they, they did nothing wrong. If I were these agents, I'd consider suing the government for defamation. 
I don't know that it's perfect. I don't think that's legal. But I, I, they should try. They should do something. I mean, for God's sakes, the government settles with BLM every time there's an arrest. Like, oh, they sued them. They were mean to us. They denied us our First Amendment right to throw bricks at cops. And the Justice Department settles for them. We'll change it. We'll make it so you can throw three bricks. And then the three bricks is enough. And they usually throw them some money. If I'm these guys, I'd sue their asses. I can't stand these people. And then we get to uh, Ginger Goebbels. Good old Ginger Goebbels. She's leaving the White House soon for a high-paying gig over at MSNBC. There is There was one day... When the reporters in the White House Daily Press briefing were talking to her going, uh, is it really ethical for you to like give two months notice and you're going to be joining the media and you're going to be doing that? Shouldn't you, you know, wait until you leave before you start getting a new job and blah, blah, blah. They asked one day's worth of, actually it wasn't even one day's worth of questions. It was probably about three minutes worth of tough questions. And then that was it. Then they were done with it. Now she's out there still doing it, still violating any semblance of ethics that could exist in government. And she appeared on the uh, the pod bros, the uh, pod save America guys, the people who worked for Obama. They are uh, popular podcasters amongst leftists, just as, you know, Hitler would have been popular if he'd had a podcast. These people would have subscribed. They might have been on his network at the time. But uh, they're doing it in front of a live studio audience, and the subject of Peter Ducey came up. The only person in the daily press briefing who dares ask any challenging questions with any consistency. And, uh, well, you remember when Joe Biden called him a dumb son of a beep. They brought that up. And Ginger Goebbels, being the awful person that she is, she had an opportunity to be magnanimous, to be the bigger person. But you don't succeed in liberal politics being the bigger person. You don't succeed being the better person. Not in left-wing politics, not at all, not in 2022. So she did exactly what you'd expect. Okay, before we go, I have to ask you a question. Okay. Because we have to talk about Peter Ducey for one second. Sure. Okay. Okay. Is he a stupid son of a bitch or does he play a stupid son of a bitch on TV? Okay. Um, well, um, he works for a, a network. Okay. That um, provides people with questions. That nothing personal to any individual, including Peter Ducey, but might make anyone sound like a stupid son of a bitch. So, <laughs> well handled. Oh, boy. Well, well handled. <laughs> what she's doing there is actually even worse than calling Peter Ducey uh, a name. Is she saying Peter Ducey is a non-entity? Peter Ducey is stupid. He couldn't pos- He's dumb. His questions are fed to him by his masters. And so no matter who they put in there. So don't worry. Yeah, Peter Ducey is a stupid SOB, but anybody they put in there would be a stupid SOB because his masters feed him those questions. Just way more condescending. She's already doing her MSNBC show. She deserves horrible, horrible things to happen to her. Failure professionally going forward. Republican press secretaries can't get jobs. She's already got her job and she's still in the old one going to be making a fortune. I wonder if she got a signing bonus. Probably. They probably do. Liberals take care of their own all the time. All right. We are out of time. Let me just pull this up here. 
I can see the winners because I know somebody out there wants this Adam Carolla. All right. The winner of the signed Adam Carolla book, In 50 Years Will All Be Chicks, which is a very funny book, is Luann Smith-Horton. Congratulations, Luann Smith-Horton. You've won. Check your messages at Patreon. You will get a message from me that says, hey, send me your address and I will send you the book. You throw me the idol, I throw you the whip. All right, since uh, Tom Brokaw went over like a fart in a car, my God, I, I, I just thought people out there would go, you know, Tom Brokaw, I grew up watch, watching that crap. It'd be cool to have his autograph, but no, no. So we're pulling Tom and replacing him with two conservatives, two that are, uh, they are wrapped. They both come from Premier Collectibles. I purchased these years ago. And I purchased multiple copies, and I don't know why. I thought maybe I could resell them. Then I never did. Um, but it it doesn't matter. One is Code of Conduct. It is a work of fiction by Brad Thor. Yes, that's right. Brad Thor autographed. It's still wrapped in the Premier Collectibles wrapping. So it's totally legit. comes with a certificate of authenticity. And the other one is Heart. It's a book called Heart. An American Medical Odyssey. It's actually something I've uh, referenced many times on the program about the former vice president who got the defibrillator implanted that wasn't covered by Medicare. And uh, yeah, I don't think it's actually about that. It's a story of a patient, a doctor, and 35 years of medical innovation. I believe that's what it says. It too is still wrapped in the Premier Collectibles wrapping with its certificate of authenticity, which means that it is autographed by former Vice President Dick Cheney. So you get your choice of Dick Cheney or Brad Thor. Up to you. Uh, that means that the pictures on the, the webpage don't include the autographs. I have my own copies of these. They're legit autographs. They're just buried in boxes. So I can't get them. But trust me, they're autographed. So you just go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast. Choose which one you want. Comment on the post with the two pictures of the books that you can vaguely make out the covers of because they're they're still wrapped in Premier Collectibles paper. And uh, just comment which one you'd want. And if you really want, if you go, wait a second, I missed my chance to get Tom Brokaw. You can throw a, throw Tom Brokaw in the comments. And if you get uh, drawn, I will, uh, I'll send you Tom Brokaw instead. Tom Brokaw will be the book to be named later, however you want to do it. Anyway, I appreciate the hell out of you guys listening. Have yourself a wonderful day after Easter. Monday. It's really should be a holiday. Let's be honest. And we'll be back here tomorrow. Thank you for the support and thanks for listening. I've been on a lot of university campuses. As a matter of fact, for four years, I was a full professor at the University of Pennsylvania.